The following is a Live the Dream Media production. Hello and welcome to the Faith Family Schools podcast with your host Christopher DeSimone. All right, everyone, welcome back to the latest episode of Faith, Family, and Schools, where we're trying to have discussions with people who can tell us maybe where we went wrong in the last 50 years on Faith, Family, and Schools, but the people who are trying to make it better. And for all of you to say, hey, dude, what happened to my country? Well, it's been happening for 50 years. It just didn't happen in the last five years. And so we're going to keep talking about this. And when it comes to schools, um, you know, it, it's something where we're going to keep hitting this harder and harder as we move through. So I'm thrilled to have uh, joining us from the great state of West Virginia is our uh, vice president of Yes Every Kid Foundation, Michael Donnelly. Good morning, sir. How are you? Chris, great to be with you and everybody listening. So tell us, uh, for the folks who've never heard of a Yes Every Kid Foundation, what is it? What is, what is it? And what, or as Arnold Schwarzenegger would say, what is it and what does it do? Wow, that's a great question, Chris. Thank you so much for inviting us to be part of, of your podcast here. I mean, Yes, Every Kid Foundation is a fairly new actor in the world of education freedom. We call it education freedom. Some people call it school choice. Um, but what we do really is we advocate for policies and people. Um, we we are we have we see a future where families are empowered with more options so that children can have individualized learning experiences that meet their unique interests and needs. And Chris, I'm a homeschooling parent of seven, so I know what it means to provide an individualized learning experience for kids. And we want everyone, every kid in America to have that opportunity. So that's what we're all about. So as a, as a homeschooling dad of seven, and you look very young for your age. Um, You're very kind. When did Keep you, talking. What what year was it when you first started homeschooling? What year was that? Yeah, so that would have been 19. Well, we started having children in 1997. So our oldest was born in 97. I'm actually a grandfather um, okay. as well. And uh, we started homeschooling. I mean, some people say you homeschool from birth. So 1997, we actually started the formal, quote unquote, formal process, if you want to call it that, probably when we started teaching our oldest to read, which was probably when he was about three. So call it 2000. So what does the state of homeschooling look like uh, when your kid was three to right now in 2023? What's the difference between now and then? Well, personally, and if you look around the country, so there's a whole lot more homeschoolers today than there have ever been, as in case you didn't notice, there's about four to five million homeschooling families now in the United States of America. Um, I used to work for the the world's largest homeschooling advocacy organization. I was a senior counsel and a, a global advocate for homeschooling at the Homeschool Legal Defense Association for many years. Uh, and so it's exciting for me to see how homeschooling has grown. Personally, I think it's never been easier to homeschool, maybe never more important for families to to homeschool because of, uh, you know, maybe people are dissatisfied with what's happening in, in various education systems. Um, you know, for me personally, I think... Uh, I look back and I say, you know, you learn a few things um, over the decades. And, you know, I we didn't really know exactly what we were doing back then. We just knew we had to do it. We figured it out. I think it worked pretty well. You know, we've got four kids, three graduated from college. Our fourth is in college. We've got three at home who have very promising academic uh, futures ahead of them if they choose academic. But, you know, we don't push college. We push 
You do what you do you. You do where God has called you. You do what you feel you're called to do. That's what we are trying to do. And I think if I could go back and do it again, I think I'd be doing more of that than trying to figure out, okay, you know, we got to do math and we got to do this and we got to do that. I tr- so I think I'd be a lot more laid back. More, um, more support system out there for the homeschooling parent than there's ever been before, right? Absolutely. I mean, there are so many options, so many uh, curriculums, so many, I mean, you can, you can have a whole curriculum, you can pick this math class, you can pick this history class, people are coming together in co-ops, and it's expanded, Chris, and I'd love to talk about this, it's expanded so far beyond homeschooling now, and I, I think homeschooling has provided a really strong foundation for what we're seeing now, which I would call a new education freedom movement where parents and educators are coming together in all kinds of unconventional, innovative ways, micro schools, learning pods, learning collaboratives, homeschool co-ops. You've got people starting micro schools out in the woods. You've got people doing it in the desert. You've got them in civic centers and churches all over the place. People are just starting things. So just so to me, uh, what I think of a micro school is the fact that I have 10 parents hire a teacher right? They're using ESA money. We call them empowerment scholarship accounts. And I'm in Arizona, right? And then they basically have that teacher teaching their 10 kids. Is that, is that, is that a micro, am, am I close to a micro school? Well, you can call that a micro school. I think lots of people, you know, it can, you can have ESA funding or not ESA funding. I mean, people oh, call sure. micro schools, micro school whenever or wherever. In fact, you know, so I work with an organization as part of a, a, a part of a philanthropy community, called Stand Together. And one of the one of the entities in that community is called Vela, the Vela Fund. And they actually are like a venture capitalist for innovative educational founders. And they did some research. They have a report called the Vela Open for Business Report. And what they found is that most micro schools do not use government funding. In fact, in most states, there are, you know, there are a lot of, of these ESAs that are kind of rolling out in different states, but it's still pretty small. And uh, Arizona was one of the leading places where that started about, what, 13 years ago or so. So it's more mature than most places. But most places don't use the government money. They just people are just so hungry for something that's individualized, smaller, that respects the dignity of kids, which, you know, the big box solutions, top down, one size fits all command and control doesn't really respect the individual dignity of kids. People are hungry for something different. And they're paying for it. And you know what? It doesn't cost a lot when you have a little small learning environment with one teacher or a few parents coming together. It doesn't cost a lot. The uh, I assume the uh, the dreaded lockdowns of Corona really burst the dam for educational freedom. Is this a accurate statement? I, I, I would, I think so. I think, you know, that just opened people's eyes in a couple of ways. Number one, I think for a lot of people, they saw what they never saw before what was happening in the schools, number one. Number two, I think they saw what we homeschoolers knew for many years, which is you really don't need a credentialed, formally educated professional for kids to learn because kids are natural learners and parents care about their kids and other people care about their kids too. And and, and when families come together together, around this idea of let's figure out what works for these kids, we figure it out. It can happen. We can trust each other, trust our fellow citizens to figure it out. We need to do more of that. So one of the things I was interested in when we talked earlier and then looking at your site, 
Um, so parents, but you know, it's like, and then, but also as part of educational freedom is the entrepreneurs have to be enabled to make this happen. And that was something that really grabbed my attention from reading about Yes, Every Kid Foundation was the support for entrepreneurs. So uh, I was part of a school, a charter school here in uh, Arizona that has, we have about six or seven locations, classical ed model. A friend of mine was the guy who really was the spearhead of it. But we always got into that discussion of what is the sweet spot and how the environment that's attractive for entrepreneurs to do charter schools or home cool schooling systems. So talk about the entrepreneurial side of this, because of course the teachers union people listening to this right now are having a seizure talking about these nasty entrepreneurs trying to fix education. So let's talk about the, let's talk about the environment for entrepreneurs for them to survive uh, and thrive. And then also how you guys help. Well, Chris, I'll tell you, you know, the, the teachers unions, people who are listening right now, a lot of them, especially if they're listening to your podcast, <laughs> want to be education entrepreneurs. That's true. Okay. And and I'm gonna and I'm talking to them right now. It's you, this is for you. If you're frustrated with what's going on in the top-down command and control, one size fits nobody system, there is a, a new world out there and it's ready and needs you. So check it out. Uh, but they're not the only ones because it's so interesting to me, Chris, when I, I mean, I've been looking at this at, at education on a global basis for almost 20 years now. And, you know, when I look at what's happening in our country, I am very excited. I have a very positive outlook on education in our country because of what I see happening. I think the homeschooling movement started this maybe 30, 40 years ago, and it, and it wasn't just Christian. It was Christian. It was progressive. It's all kinds of different people. Um, it's true that the Christians kind of drove it for a while, but it's it's for everybody and anybody now. Anybody and anybody can and, and should, you know, if they want to homeschool. Um, and so you, what you see is you see a lot of people checking out the homeschool space, but not everybody's going to do homeschooling. And homeschooling is so different now. People are coming together in co-ops and you see these homeschool co-ops have kind of morphed into almost what people call hybrid schools. They're like co-ops that are two or three days a week. Uh, and then you get some founders who are like, you know, I, I just want to do 10 kids in the forest or I want to do I want to do a learning pod. Like, what's the difference between a learning pod and a micro school? Whatever the person calls it, you know, and, th you know, there's this gray space right now. Um, and that makes it appealing. But on the other hand, it can also make it challenging uh, because, you know, there are entrepreneurs who are going to run through brick walls to pursue their vision no matter what. And that's what you have right now is a lot of people who just like, this is my vision. I'm doing it. And you guys forget, I'm not going to ask for permission. I'm just doing it. Um, and as that movement grows, it starts to encounter some regulatory pushback, right? Sure. And the laws, education laws were not designed for what we are trying to do right now. They were designed 150 years ago, right? You said 50 years, like what happened? Dude, what happened to my country? <laughs> you need to go back 175 years to understand what started this process that we're now reaping, you know, the benefit, the quote unquote benefits of right now. I'm, right. I'm, Not, a, I'm a naive no. fool, Mike. I only went back 50 years. I apologize. <laughs> well, let's, let's, let's so, talk again. Cause I can explain <laughs> what happened. But anyway, entrepreneurs. So, you know, these, you, you know, entrepreneurs are facing compulsory attendance laws is like, are they a private school? Like what's a micro school and how does that fit into compulsory attendance laws? for kids so that they don't get prosecuted for truancy, right? And families right. So they feel comfortable, you know, for their kids not to get prosecuted for truancy. So that's one question. The other question is, 
what about all these other regulations that apply to quote unquote businesses, right? Because we're talking about education establishments that are starting up. They're not private schools under the compulsory attendance law. They're kind of nonprofits or businesses that are providing educational services because they're not always a full-time replacement. Sometimes they're a supplementary service. Sometimes they're just different, very different, very innovative um, environments. And so they encounter regulations like fire code regulations, health code regulations, um, child care regulations, you know, which are very broad in scope. And so they catch a lot of things that they probably shouldn't. So what we're doing at Yes Foundation is we're trying to help those entrepreneurs navigate those regulatory obstacles so they can call us if they have a question, if they're encountering a regulatory obstacle, they have a question about, hey, does child care regulation apply to me? We can help them figure that out. I think uh, another obstacle that happens, that it's a real obstacle, is how does a school, like a charter school entrepreneur, handle special education students, right? So what are you seeing in that sphere? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I, you know, I've done some work in special education, and I've heard in Arizona that this is a challenge. I'm not an expert on it, but I've heard people have talked to me about what's going on in Arizona and charter schools. So we're focused as an organization more in the kind of permissionless, out-of-system space. Charter schools serve an important function in this continuum from, you know, totally government-run all the way over to totally free with, you know, homeschooling, right? And so right. charter schools are kind of more close to that government-run because there's a lot of government regulations. And sure. I just, I'm just not an expert in that. I do know that, gotcha. you know, that, you know, the, the federal regulations on special education is, is, is really critical to that. And I helped homeschoolers who are trying to you know, access those benefits, figure that out. But honestly, I really don't okay. know how the charters fit into that other than that they have a federal obligation to do it. And I know it's pretty complicated to figure that out. Not that I, I, I didn't warn you that I wanted you to have a whole chart of numbers in front of you, <laughs> but let's talk about uh, literacy rates and academic excellence when we take the homeschooling kid versus the average kid out there. What What are those numbers trend like, Mike? Well, I mean, what the research shows is that homeschoolers do extremely well. I mean, you, you can look at decades of research, and I have, because I've gone around the world promoting homeschooling to other countries. And you have to be able to explain to them, well, you're talking to me about homeschooling, Donnelly. You know, does it work? You know, how do these parents, mere parents who are not, quote unquote, certified teachers, be able to produce an educated person? And the reality is decades of research show that homeschoolers perform better on, on standardized tests of academic achievement, they form better. They perform better in social measures of confidence. I mean, there's just a whole raft of of research. People can go to the Education Freedom Institute website. They'll find a um, sort of a liter literature review by Dr. Lindsay Burke from the Heritage Foundation, uh, who looked at all of this research, and she basically said it all says homeschoolers do better than either private or public school students. The um, So what about the, uh, there's always that criticism of homeschool kids about socialization, right? That there's some sort of weird introverted freak that's gonna be the next militia leader. Uh, what, 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 what does Mike Donnelly say to those critics on that, on, on that, on that, that idea? Yeah, what about socialization? I mean, okay, so we can flip socialization around, and I guess I would ask people, so how do we like the socialization we're getting in 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 government-run education, okay? I'm going right. to just, you know, okay, as, you know, I mean, I, run, I see homeschool kids all over the place. I've encountered thousands and thousands over the years, and, you know, 
the the research, okay, I'm just going to say research has been done and it shows that that's not a concern. I can also say, you know, look, you, you know, anybody who's listening right now has encountered the homeschool kid. And what most people say is, you know, I want my kid to be more like that kid, you know, who's yeah. polite and respectful. Um, they definitely and, seem you know, more our, mature. They also seem more mature for their age, is what I. I heard. mean, listen, come on, let's let's talk about let's let's like what you know, let's talk about reality here. You know, do we want our kids to be able to swim in the real world? You know, that's what homeschooling is. Homeschooling is parents working with other families, not all of them, but many of them, most of them. They interact within families of different age groups. They interact within their co-ops with different kinds of kids. There's a lot of diversity in homeschooling. And let's just compare it to the other model, okay? Like what's more real world? Sending a kid, you know, putting a kid on a yellow bus, sending him into a, you know, fenced in, security guarded lockdown school where there's 30 of them of all the same age with one adult for eight hours a day or six hours a day or homeschooling you know like a yellow bus doesn't come pick me up to bring me to work right when i go to work my boss isn't telling me turn to page 23 and here's your assignment for the end of the day you know that's not that's not the future and so i feel like homeschooling is like preparing kids better for the future than that form when it comes to socialization. That's just me. Well, and technology is on your side, right? As we move through here, right? In relation to homeschooling, that you have more access, freer access to everything on the planet right now. That you I mean, schools are trying to integrate technology. I mean, but it's like any big system, you know, and it's antiquated in its, you know, where it was started. And so it's it, it, it has a very... Uh, big hurdle to overcome in terms of bureaucratic inertia and change. Big systems don't want to change very well and, and adopt innovation. They tend to reject innovation, but there are people trying. So I'll give, you know, those people credit. But when you're talking about micro schools, learning pods, hybrid schools, these little nimble engines of creativity, families adopting different kinds of technology. I mean, you're absolutely right. Look at Khan Academy. I mean, Khan Academy is changing the way private schools and homeschools use um, and access educational information, Google Classroom. I mean, I've got three kids upstairs right now. One of them is a 17 year old. She's halfway through her college uh, career already because of the technology that's available through Khan Academy, through credit granting, um, academic material that people are figuring out. I mean, she I'm paying 225 bucks for a three credit college class. Well that's accredited. <laughs> okay. Right, that's, Hello? The, that's the the battle's the accreditation, right? In the It's accredited. It's right. regionally accredited. She could take she's going to take this associate's degree wherever she wants to any other regionally accredited school, go to a, if she wants to do a bachelor's program and they're going to take all those credits and I paid 2 or 3000 bucks for it. So I was telling you on the phone earlier that I was at the Heritage Foundation Educational Freedom Event in Phoenix last year, and I was the pain in the butt. Everyone who talked, Doug Ducey, who was the governor at the time, like, all right, how do the ignorant parents find out about this stuff? And so my take has always been that even the entrepreneurs or associations who say this is their jam, I mean, this is why you're here to educate the barbarian here, uh, is they don't do a, a good enough marketing job, I think, sometimes. Uh, reaching out to the ignorant who know who could find go oh I can do this because they keep thinking yellow school bus thirty kids in the lockdown elementary school. You know, Chris, 
I think I think people are hearing about it. Um, and we do need to do a better job amongst us who are in this space, communicating this out to the everyday person who is looking for something different. I mean, we live in a society that is awash with so much information. It is really hard to find. And so we just have to work hard at it. But what we're seeing is that people are finding it. And that's why this is really important. You know, people are looking for, we call it social proof. They want to see that it works. They want to see other people doing it. So they feel like, you know, it's not too much of a risk. And that's why it's really important for policymakers and for organizations like ours to help education entrepreneurs and to help families see that it does work. I mean, look, I'm a homeschooling parent. I mean, there are 5 million homeschool kids in the United States today. And it means there's been millions and millions over the years. They go to college, you know, they join the military, they get jobs there, they go to work. It works. Homeschooling doesn't break your kids. And sending your kid or, or figuring out how to create a micro school or a learning pod or a hybrid school, that's not going to break your kids either. Your kid is going to be able to get a job. They're going to be able to go to college. And organizations like ours are going to help figure out how to translate that and help you and the net entrepreneurs starting up these learning environments to, you know, to, to navigate that. You know, that's what we want to do. We want to do that. And so try it. Just give it a shot. Right. <laughs> you want to follow along on the interweb, go to yeseverykidfoundation.org. Um, so let's talk about the, we have these 50 states in America, and some of them are better for educational freedom like Arizona, and some of them are worse. So what are we seeing as an overall trend in over the 50 states? Is the trend pushing towards educational freedom, or are some of our brothers and sisters in the hard lefty states fighting against such things? Or maybe they can't because... The parents are finally saying, dude, loosen this stuff up. What are you seeing? I am seeing, I'm seeing, dude, loosen this up. I'm seeing a I'm seeing a movement that is starting. And again, I, I I'm looking at this in, in the context of generations, but let's just be very, you know, sort of like here and now about it. Um, so Todd Rose is a think tank uh guy called, uh, that started this this think tank called Populous Institute done some very interesting research, which I'd recommend you and other people check into. Here's the, here's the cut to the chase, okay? People want something different. That is what all the survey research is showing. People are, they're not satisfied with the status quo. They want something different. And that is exactly what we're seeing. We're seeing this in state after state in this last legislative session. You had states, about nine or 10 states, adopting um, ESAs, which what you guys have had those in Arizona. And that's just one indicator, okay, of looking at different ways that you can empower parents with more options, if you want to call it that. Okay. Was there Giving, was there was um, there a state that yeah. was there a state that surprised you that's moving a little bit that way? Well, I mean, you had you had Utah, Iowa, Arkansas, South Carolina, North Carolina, I think South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida expanded theirs. I mean, it was just this wave of states. And I think you're going to see that wave continuing. So, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't too surprised. Well, I think we were surprised at the magnitude. And I think yeah. people were, were going to see a lot more of that. But there are a lot of other policies. That's just one. You've got open enrollment policies of, you know, making schools more open to letting people, including homeschoolers, access those opportunities. And also just generally what we would like to see is more freedom for entrepreneurs to start up uh, these schools. So I do think that, I do think we are seeing a watershed moment here in history where people have said we want something different 
policymakers, especially you know in these red states, they seem to think this is a winning issue, and I think it is um, yeah. for them. But I, I think what you're going to see is that it's not just red states. I think you know you had North Carolina, you had a governor there who's a uh, um, Democrat, and the you know and he he wasn't happy about it, but he didn't veto the legislation, right? Gotcha. And so I think this is going to be permeating our country, and you know it's a new time, it's a it's a new age in education. It's the future. So let's talk about, hopefully we're having parents that watch this podcast who say, I want to get in, I want to escape from the K-12 government school. I want to go homeschool. I love the concept of the micro school. So what would you, so what's, what's, yeah. what's the steps that they should be taking, Mike, or where do they go and how do they do it? So, I mean, you've got a great organization there in Arizona called Love Your School. Jenny Clark is the founder of Love Your School. She's on the State Board of Education. She's a homeschool mom. She's been an education entrepreneur herself. She started this organization called Love Your School, which has resources and can help people, especially in Arizona, find a school that works for them. Micro school, learning pod, lots of people are listing themselves and they, she can point people in different directions to find something that works for them. Um, the National Microschooling Center is based in Nevada. So if you're listening to this podcast, and you're not from Arizona, National Microschooling Center. Um, you know, you could Google microschool options in my state, in sure. Missouri or Mississippi or what have you. I mean, it's a new movement. So a lot of those things are just getting started. Like, you know, homeschoolers have HSLDA. We don't have that quite yet. I think, it, yes, we see ourselves as serving that function for education entrepreneurs, but there is a lot of opportunity for organizations to get involved and support that. And I would also say to folks, you know what, if it's not happening in your neighborhood, it's not happening in your community, in your family, your group of friends, you start it. You figure it out. You say to your friends and family, hey, let's do a micro school. I don't know what that means, but let's just <laughs> stop sending our kids to school and let's just start doing this thing and let's just figure it out. Because this is America. We're built on that idea of bottoms up, right? Civil society, solving our problems together, not top down. We shouldn't be looking to government to solve our problems. We should be solving them ourselves. So you be the change agent in your community. You be the entrepreneur. You take that first step and say, let's go. I'm going over here. You, who's with me? <laughs> I love it. It's like, I think on that, on that note, I think we're, that was like, you know, I can't say anything else after coach just told us to go out in the second half and, you know, let's win it for the tackle. Gipper. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, we'll, we'll have this conversation again. I appreciate what you do and what your organization. Yes. Every kid foundation does. And, um, uh, the battle again, it's hot and heavy out there. And, uh, but you're right. The tide I think is finally hard and fast in, uh, the educational freedom, uh, side of this. And I hope we can, uh, we can continue. Thanks, Chris. Me too. Let's, let's go together. All right. Thanks for the amazing conversation and, uh, you take care of yourself. You too. All right. That's Mike Donnelly. Uh, yes, every kid foundation. And again, you're, you're watching the faith family and schools podcast. If you have any uh, any comments, you want some suggested guests that we can talk to, you would like uh, Google and Apple to never carry our podcast again, whatever you want to do, go to faithfamilyschools at gmail.com and then check out our website, faithfamilyschools.com. All right, everyone have a great day. Stay, stay strong.